This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology, as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of Monarch Astrology, and I'm finally back with a forecast of sorts. Um, If you've been tuning in, Recently, I announced that I'm no longer doing the weekly forecasts, um, just in favor of creating things more spontaneously and um, trying out different formats and just following inspiration. After seven years of doing this weekly format, Saturn returning and just having a, a definite nudge to release that and continue to share astrology, but in new ways. So something that I wanted to talk to you about was the Venus Eros conjunction in Virgo um, of September 2022. Venus enters Virgo um, September 4th at 9.05 p.m. Pacific. We'll leave Virgo September 29th. Venus is going to ingress into Virgo in a close conjunction to the asteroid Eros in Virgo. And the two will travel together in orb, meaning within 10 degrees of each other during Venus's stay in Virgo. So I feel really inspired about this transit because Asteroid Eros um, is one of my favorite asteroids to tune into. The archetype of Eros is really fascinating and um, it really does penetrate so many layers and aspects of our lives and reflecting on the nature of Eros um, has moved me so deeply, not just in a you know conceptual way, but it's really inspired my philosophy on life and how I move and how I relate to the process of opening or the process of saying yes to life. So I hope that some of that will come through um, and that this forecast, this overview of this transit um, will be supportive for you. So Eros is an archetype of obviously the erotic, but more broadly, the deepest sensations of aliveness. When I've researched Eros and come to a deeper relationship or deeper understanding, I've noticed that Saturn is always in the picture archetypally, right? Like if we're talking about Eros, Saturn is there. And this is because the deepest feelings of aliveness can inspire our love ethic, our standards, and our capacity to say yes to life, right? Like our, you know, you have like the most magical experience that you've ever had, right? Or like you've fallen in love deeper than you ever have, what comes after that if not sometimes grief like a sense of wow like am i ever going to be able to top that (laughs) right or is there a sense of commitment that shows up of like now i have to reach my life up to this standard now that i've seen this i have a responsibility right and there's this um moment really of kind of choosing a path of does this deep sense of inspiration, this sense of being pierced, you know, with Cupid's bow in whatever way, does that inspire us to 
deepen into that thread or is there a contraction or is there a fear because it's so intense to feel that way? So the struggle of Eros relates to the ways in which we wall ourselves off to life and to sensation. And historically, this has just been part of the human drama. The prevalence of sexual shame and the persecution of the erotic is an example of the cultural response to the force of Eros. So let's consider Venus and Virgo and come back to the Venus-Eros conjunction that will be an influence this month, September. Venus in craft, precision-oriented, and methodical Virgo conjures up images of interior designers, herbalists, house witchery, art that is by its nature mercurial. Right? Like art that is really detail-oriented, craft-oriented, um, there's a thoughtfulness and a, yeah, we'll just say a thoughtfulness to Virgo. And then at an inner psychological level, Venus and Virgo puts us in contact with the parts of our relational nature. So when I'm speaking of relationship, it's always our relationship to self, to other, to life, to plants, to spirits, to ideas, like seeing that we're never separate from anything in some sense there's a relationship and so um, we can have a relationship with femininity or masculinity right and the nature of that relationship influences how we experience those archetypal threads right our relationship to Venus our relationship to Virgo um, but I'm getting far out on a tangent there but I just want to remind us of that that when we're speaking of relationship it really is um, so much broader and it's about the um, I like to think of say like two beings or ourselves and maybe an idea you know whatever it is we're relating to and see those two points in space and what does the channel look like in between is it clear and flowing is it an infinity symbol is it murky is it swampy like what is the nature of the relationship there right and if you want to have a really cool experience you can decide when you first wake up in the morning, what kind of relationship you want to have with your day, right? And that's going to alter the course of the day. Um, and there's something deeply creative about relationship in that way. So with Venus and Virgo, coming back from digressing, um, Venus and Virgo can put us into contact with the parts of our relational nature that can see the possibility of improvement and then inversely, all that is wrong, imperfect, not good enough. Stressful, <laughs> okay? And then naturally this month may put us in contact with these types of Venusian crises around self-esteem or dissatisfaction within relationship, right? And that can be really obvious of like, yeah, how we're thinking about relationship might be more subtle than that, um, where there is a kind of issue or something out of alignment and it seems like it's the thing objectively, but it may be our relationship to the thing. Um, to an extent, being aware of what could be better inspires progress, especially if we think about the Virgo, Taurus, Capricorn, like the Earth trine, right? Like we have the side of Virgo that understands that things could be better. We have the rootedness and self-esteem of Taurus, ideally, and then we have the capacity to take responsibility with Capricorn. So when we notice that something could be better, 
it doesn't have to be a shame spiral. It doesn't have to be a story um, about something being bad. Um, and we can take action. And on the other hand, too, you know, not every time when we realize that we could be better, it's not always like sweet rainbow um, energy, right? Like it can be a sense of um, like a grittiness internally of my best, you know, I'm doing my best and my best isn't good enough, right? And not in a self-reprimanding way, but just like a sober, like I've got to figure this out. Um, And there's even a sense of self-esteem within that to sit inside of that moment of not feeling quite it yet, you know, or feeling like something is off and being able to receive that without dramatizing it any extra. It's like, okay, it's time to get to work, not in a self-punishing, not in a self-abusive way, but in a deeply, profoundly self-respectful way of, I see that something can be better and I'm willing to take the step to get there. Um, as kindly or as whatever as possible. So on the other hand, this quality of being aware of what could be better and the way that this inspires progress, it's also worth noting that the consciousness of not enough is infinite. (laughs) Virgo is a very infinite sign in that way. We think of it as like practical material reality. Um, But if you sweep your floor it's clean for a moment and then dust collects again right like the that moment of it being clean doesn't last and so when we're thinking about becoming better or improving there's never an arrival um, but there is a part of our consciousness I think that hinges or hooks onto the idea that we might arrive and then judges ourselves in comparison Like, we're not quite there yet when I have this figured out, when this happens. Um, And so that can inspire this endless hamster wheel of not enough. And there's there's not a problem with that. That's just the way it is. But I think recognizing that can be powerful. So there have been a few times in my life... Um, that I've really died to the illusion that one day I would have everything figured out or be perfectly organized or have all my systems running perfectly at once. Like this fantasy of like optimized perfection. Life is messy and something being in a state of perfection and cleanliness is only temporary and requires upkeep. Perennial perfection is not a fair standard to hinge love upon. So Venus and Virgo can invite us to find love in what is as well. So where do we draw the line between acceptance, it's all good, and the need to do something about it of like, this isn't great, so I'm gonna do something about it. Then Venus and Eros together in Virgo, some possibilities. One, practices that open us up to life. Practices that help us cultivate a relationship with the erotic may be especially relevant at this time or emerging in our awareness. It could be embodiment practices, self-massage, doing enchantment magic in the mirror, meditatively making herbal tea and being present with the plant, breath work, right? I said erotic, and so sometimes people think immediately that translates to sexual, but 
it's not just that it is sensuality it is aliveness it is um really being with our senses and with our awareness in a way that we're expanding that capacity really to feel alive and so there's endless possibilities in terms of practices um, and the way that we can work with practices or habits to breathe life in deeper right and we can even look at these as ritualistic games that we play to practice opening to life and opening to life is not always about pure rapture and bliss or even just feeling good Opening to life brings a variety of sensations up. Intimacy with ourselves can relate to the way that we develop range and capacity to be with ourselves with whatever is coming up. Maybe we have an idea, for example, that self-massage should feel good, but in actuality, in a given moment, our skin feels tender to the touch um, in an uncomfortable way, and we feel the way that we're disconnected and it feels crunchy. And what does it look like to say yes to that, right? And to just be with that so... The word kindly comes to mind, but there's a sense of, you know, when you meet a part of yourself that the impulse is to split off and be like, I reject, you know, and to kind of self-abandon versus to be with something that doesn't feel ideal or isn't really our preference and to just really be with it. So I love and I feel like I die inside a bit in the best way when people that I'm in connection with um, love me as I am in moments that I'm having difficulty accepting myself, right? And so the external environment, uh, my external relational life shows me a layer of love that I'm not in that moment embodying myself. And there's this, um, sometimes the maxim or whatever goes around that like, people can only love you as much as you love yourself and it's there is like wisdom in that but it's not um the only thing that's true right like to be you know some people have a quality of the way that they love that is kind of transpersonal like they're inspiring or they bring you know they open up other people we are responsible for our own kind of Uh, relationship to ourselves and our own capacity to open to life and at the same time sometimes we do meet people or have experiences where someone embodies a you know is anchored in a kind of love that we haven't anchored in ourselves and that can change us Um, and so if someone is treating me more kindly or more lovingly than I'm treating myself in a moment um the alchemy of that is like a part of me kind of softening or unraveling in that not all the time but you know often enough (laughs) right because the other way I guess it could go is like if um someone treats us in a way that is much more dignified or kind or loving than we treat ourselves and to just be like ew or like not open to it or kind of like cast off that moment because we don't recognize um, ourselves as deserving or worthy and whatnot. So, yeah, I'll leave that tangent there. But the relationship we have with self and the relationship we have with others is truly not as separate as it appears. And loving where we are at can be radical medicine to give to ourselves and in the doses we can accept increasingly. I think that's what actually is so tantric or erotic about this like edging into self-acceptance is like being with a little bit more of 
can I love myself here in this place that I feel cracked or broken or not okay or something's wrong, right? And the way that um, it just gives me this like frenetic image of splitting off and to just kind of like cohere, be with in doses um, feels really transformative when I feel into it. And then acceptance also makes way for change. Should we like to improve ultimately? It's like a interesting paradox of Virgo because there can be this type of consciousness that thinks um, that the way to get better, the way to be better is to be self-punishing the entire way there. And, you know, like to be like a harsh driver of our own improvement Whereas finding those pockets of like actual acceptance is going to kind of click in an energetic availability and openness for the change that we're seeking anyway. Another theme, as I've been speaking to it a little bit, but I want to go more into is the erotic inspiring us to quote, be better. So at this time, our experiences of the erotic, so of that full aliveness, right, which is also a skill to be in relationship with and to open up to because the Saturnian um, negative drive within our relationship with Eros is to be shut off to it. And so the habit, the practice um, of opening is a choice, um, can be, and it's something around capacity, right? Like at any moment, you can kind of tune into the way that the top layer of your skin feels and like the way that the air feels on your skin and to kind of heighten and expand that sensation when you weren't paying attention to it before. So opening to aliveness has that energy where it's like, is there the, the wall blocking it or is there a structure supporting its existence? So our experiences of the erotic, of these deep feelings, can inspire a sense this month of us wanting to be better. Um, and I think, you know, be better just comes to mind and it's kind of funny because it, like, be better, you know? <laughs> um, but this can range from feeling painful, like being in the pain body of not being good enough, to being a profound feeling of inspiration, to love or be penetrated by life so deeply that we feel parts of ourselves dying and new parts of ourselves being born. And so it's an inspired, like, I want to be better. Like, I, I see something and I'm, I'm moved. Um, as I've been speaking to, it's really not um, easy, effective, kind, etc., to beat oneself into shape and transformation. Um, you know, it need not be so self-abusive. It can still be stern. It can even be Capricornian of like, I'm cutting the bullshit and I'm taking care of this thing. I'm not avoiding it anymore. Um, but it doesn't have to be like calling ourselves name or just names or going in in some kind of cruel way. If we're in the pattern of self-punishment, practices that help us relax into self-acceptance become more important. One thing that I enjoy um, in embodiment practices and self-development practices um, are getting into spaces where I dramatize and exaggerate where I'm currently at so that I can say yes to it all the way um, and then let that layer fall off. So I do this, um, you know, this is like my hermit life and why I like to, you know, have my own space. Um, kind of like having 
these dramatic theatrical expressions of my um, anger, uh, my moodiness, my, you know, whatever I'm feeling, and to actually like turn the knob and the dial up and to embody it with my voice, with sounds, with movement, um, which is a way of saying yes to it. And it actually lets it move. So this has been more effective for me than suppressing behaviors or emotions that I judge, which I definitely um, used to do way more and think that that was like going to work out. Um, Whereas this other kind of like burning the layers off um, has been a lot more fun and enlivening and effective. So the more I get to know Venus, it feels like she likes expression and to be expressed. I think she likes to be messy too. I think the... um, the kind of Venusian contraction of like wanting to be so perfect and so beautiful and like have nothing wrong um, is kind of like a a culturally conditioned and kind of like almost like traumatized version um, of this archetype. Um, it's this sense of like, well, if I just am more perfect, if I'm just more beautiful, if I just get it together, then I will be loved, right? And this like willingness to kind of like um, hold off and like wait to be loved and like have some kind of impossible goal of like, well, when I do this, then I can be loved. And so on the other hand, it's like, what about being messy, you know? Um, what about people seeing you when you're not your best, right? Um, What about, yeah, people seeing you when you're not your best, you being with you when you're not your best, and the sense of that's a place where we are like, well, there's something wrong, you know? Um, Especially, I'm tapping into this because it's Venus and Virgo, we're talking about that kind of critical analytical side of Virgo in relationship to Venusian things um, and hopefully expanding our perception of it here as a kind of um, way of being with this transit Um, but messiness I think there's something liberating about that because there's a sense of oh there's nothing actually wrong with this I once had a paradigm or a concept that being messy was bad and that I had to have everything prim and perfect and you know just all right and tight and now it's like it can actually unfurl and bloom and be um be animal be um be wild even in virgo right like natural virgo is not um not the same as our conditioned concept of virgo So this messiness that I'm speaking of can be as weird as rolling around on the floor, making guttural noises, um, as delicate as dancing out a nuanced feeling of tenderness with just our fingertips, our fingers. Um, Creating some space in our alone time to be weird and expressive in a way that is edgy or unfamiliar to us is really like an internal version of overcoming shyness and getting comfortable talking to people at a gathering, right? Like, I'm going to go talk to these people. I'm going to... practice being witty (laughs) I'm gonna go like put myself out there and what's it like to kind of um find the places in our even our alone time um where a way that we're being with ourselves is like oh like I'm I'm shy with myself like that's kind of um scintillating and erotic 
um, alone. It's getting comfortable with our own being, our own animal. <clears throat> In a space of integration, this kind of enlivened self-intimacy does impact how confident comfortable and creative we feel in our connections. The erotic inspiring us to be better could be an exquisite feeling of being so moved by the goodness, by the depth, by the beauty that we want to up-level. We want to make critical adjustments in our lives to reach toward the erotic inspiration that we have met. A spiritual and ritualistic suggestion. Prayer and having an ongoing conversation with spirit, God, source is profoundly important in my experience. Um, and again, if we're going to talk about relationality, prayer, um, prayer is even a word that people have a relationship with like the concept people have a relationship with, like before even having the actual conversation with spirit, with source, with creation, you know, um, with the universe, um, there's like this wall of like, well, what does prayer mean? And the relationship, the conditioning around that and whatnot. So if we wanna just like let that soften a little bit, what is our relationship with source what is our relationship with the infinite fertile void from which all comes and returns to what's our relationship with the great spirit um and that relationship one of the ways that i've noticed um you know if we talk about human relationships and we're like it's all about communication communication makes good relationships well then what is prayer um, but that type of communication that deepens our connection to source. Um, so first we do need to kind of like, um, release, get over the kind of hangups around, you know, why we don't feel like talking to the universe. Um, and you know, then have at it, essentially. <laughs> and so the Virgo Pisces axis is about braiding spirit and matter, heaven and earth, and the various dualities along these lines, which are really so interpenetrating more than they are separate. So in terms of this like conversation or this communication, um, when I'm navigating my 3D material life, my own personal dramas, Prayer is a moment of kind of like reaching out to the beyond and being like, what's going on here? Like, can you guide me? Um, can you help me have the courage to meet this moment? Right? Like it feels true in my being to go toward this conflict or toward this opportunity and I'm going to do it, but please give me the courage. Right? Or like, I don't know where to go or I'm so tired of feeling this way. I'm exhausted. I'm sad. I'm full of grief. Like, please help me carry this. Right? Like, Whatever it is, like there's so many different ways of, again, like communicating. Um, sometimes feelings are so large to carry and it's just as meaningful to build the capacity in the self and the body to be with life as it is meaningful to ask for divine support. 
So add a layer of crisis or in moments of, you know, intense, challenging feelings, I'll pray to the angels or stars or particular deities or whoever I feel called to, to help me transmute. I love praying to the angels. Um, Or I'll say I'm opening to a new frame of time and ritualistically step into a new moment. And this is not to spiritually bypass my problems, but to acknowledge I'm not alone in dealing with them. It's interesting, there's often a moment for people where, you know, we kind of operate in the reality um, without reaching out to this big conversation with the beyond. Um, We are looking for answers um, in our own inner reflection, um, in what other humans say, what authority figures say, what we've learned, right? And then the moment that we like ask the universe, like, please, you know, reveal something of yourself to me or give me a sign and the universe comes through, it's so electrifying. Like there's a sense of like, wait, is reality what I think it is? You know, it's like it it changes the game, especially that first time, you know, that's when people have spiritual emergences or sometimes even spiritual emergencies. Um, And... I mean, that's another can of worms, I suppose, but I'm thinking about just, um, yeah, how, how big it really is to, um, to communicate with the universe and the way that I think it becomes so much um, more refined with time and practice where it's like we really learn how to integrate spiritual messages It's not like, you know, we haven't been tuning into that frequency for like 10 years and then we suddenly do and then it floods us and it's overwhelming. And I think Virgo Pisces really does have to do with that sense of like upkeep versus overwhelm. And so there is a way like when it comes to having this relationship with our spirituality that there can be these times of going in and out of that connection to it. And Virgo might be the way that we... um, you know, keep showing up to the relationship, even when it's mundane, not just when shit's really bad and we really need answers um, or, you know, those moments of drama, but in like a really mundane daily kind of way. So add a layer of fun um, because this can be fun. It can be play too. I like coming up with um, these kind of playful enchantments, like saying I have beautiful and inspiring dreams when I braid my hair at night before bed or my eyes perceive beauty when I put on my eyeliner and I just do this for fun honestly I think if I did that um, at some point earlier in my life it may have become a neurotic pattern of like oh I didn't say a prayer when I you know did whatever and I don't think it's that you know doesn't need to be that way Um, but now I do just find it fun when I remember to add an intention to something physical or mundane and to kind of play with what can happen and what can open up. I feel it open up a new layer of creativity and also emphasize the correspondence between intention and ether and then the material reality. So for you, you know, I know I just like spanned this range of like deep, intense, like you know, talk to the universe and also like, you know, say little enchantments when you do your hair, whatever it is that you're doing. 
and whatever layer you know would be meaningful to you come up with your own practices to work with aliveness this month and the medicine of virgo too you only need a little bit and it's also one step at a time gradual right like opening and then opening and then opening and then taking a, a rest or a break too um, i think virgo really has that wisdom of like a little bit goes a long way so before i will um you know leave us i want to announce that i have a special event coming up september 9th 2022 if you're catching this in time um, it is a workshop i'm putting on with a really dear friend daniela gill called accessing vitalizing perspective mars retrograde in the akashic records so daniela and i are hosting this event that will help you access the akashic records as a new or deepened spiritual tool to engage the upcoming mars retrograde i'm leaving the link to sign up for this workshop in the show notes so Mars and Gemini will aspect Neptune during this retrograde, so having a spiritual tool or practice like accessing the Akashic Records seemed really relevant. The Mars and Gemini higher modus operandi is to understand we have options. The Mars-Neptune higher MO is to choose an inspired path, an inspired choose-your-own-adventure at any multivalent crossroad. Right? I mean, for those of us that really think about our patterns and you know, our stories and, you know, I act this way or I react this way because I have this trauma, you know, like there's those moments where those triggers come up and we get to decide if we're going to go on the ride or interact with the story differently. So I think like Mars and Gemini square Neptune, it's like so many options, right? And then what is the inspired one or what is an inspired option? And I've been tuning into the Akashic Records every day since Daniela's retreat in Crete. Um, and I'm really excited to be collaborating with her and sharing this amazing practice with you. I just love the Akashic Records so much and it's fairly new to me to have an Akashic Records practice. So I wanted to bring Daniela in to share with you all what has been so meaningful to me. And when I was looking at the astrology, I was like, this would be a good time to share this. Um, so it's September 9th, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific. Recordings will be available to those who register but can't attend live. And it will include an astrological transmission from me, um, deepening into the Mars and Gemini archetype, Mars and Gemini square Neptune, and an Akashic teaching and support opening our own records via Daniela. So the link for that is in the notes.